I'm Sarah Burgo. I'm, I'm a pronoun she, her. I am currently leading programs and partnership at Startout. Um, and I have been the with the organization for the past five years now. So it's been a, it's been a while. So very much uh, dedicated to supporting LGBTQ entrepreneurs as our mission at Startout is to support the LGBTQ community through economic empowerment by supporting queer funders. Been working really hard on, on growing the team. I'm super excited to be like now a 15 full-time employee and making sure that we can really deliver on the impact that we want to have for the queer community. Uh, and being very focused on also how we can make sure that we build a community and an organization that supports all LGBTQ members and not only a few. This is Design Influence. I'm Isabel Swiderski. So that has been kind of what is up with me uh, the overall mission of supporting queer, the queer community, but also making sure we are really intentional about equity and diversity and also making sure we are building a team of actually amazing people that we have, we have hired for the past few years that can really deliver and, and scale. Uh, when I joined a few years ago, it was a really small team, and now we are getting to the point where we can really have an impact on thousands of entrepreneurs every year. So. That is very exciting. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you were able to give yourself the means to make this transition and, and really accelerate the ability to hire the team that you need? Startup has been around since 2009. So we've been around for a long time and it's really started as a volunteer event-based organization. And, and the main goal at the time was really to create safe space for LGBTQ entrepreneurs to meet with each other, see each other, learn from each other and network. And hopefully that will lead to, to, to growth and success. We've moved from that model like uh, five, six years ago to a more like um, accelerator incubator type model where on top of building those space and those events for the community to meet in a safe space, we started providing individual support and we started getting a lot more um, support from a lot of corporate sponsors, uh, stakeholders that were really eager to to support this type of this type of uh, work. And so, I think the long term support of a lot of uh, corporate sponsors, corporate partners for the past few years has made us reach that that point where now we are able to really hire team scale. We've proven that some of the most of the programs that we've put together, mentorship, access to capital, office hours, we're working. And thanks to the support of, of a lot of partners now, we have the financial means to actually scale all those programs and really make it um, accessible to all um, U.S. entrepreneurs, but also global LGBTQ entrepreneurs in general. We've built now a community of 21,000 members. So it's started to yeah, grow and, and, and be really uh, impactful. That is and an super impressive. Congratulations on on that growth and on the on the far reaching impact of of what you're doing. I, I'm interested. You use the word eager partners. How has that conversation gone with corporates? Because in 2009, the conversation was undoubtedly different than it is now. When either you go to corporate sponsors or they come to you. What has happened at Startout is that we've been really lucky, actually, to have had corporate partners that have been really long-term supporters of Startout. And what happened with the pandemic was that people that have been working with us for a few years decided to double down on their support 
based on the impact that we're seeing, we are really data driven and, and impact driven. Uh, and so actually a lot of our uh, partners have been partners of Startout for years now and, and kind of every year seeing the impact that we have decided to support even more because it fits two of their main concerns, which is one, supporting entrepreneurs and startup as a whole. A lot of our partners are in the industry. They work with entrepreneurs and, and startup funders every day. And so they are very dedicated to, to trying to make sure that the space grows. And on the other side, their commitment to diversity and inclusion, trying to make sure that we build a more equitable and inclusive startup ecosystem that is highly uh, not equitable at this, at this point. And I think we've been lucky to see that partners that have been maybe small partners in the past few years have decided based on the impact that they would like to double down and keep on supporting and become kind of pluriannual partners, which is making uh, life way easier when you're a nonprofit organization um, trying to, to build financial stability. And we saw also a lot of LGBTQ persons decided to to start businesses or to get into entrepreneurship because they lost their job. So there was actually a lot of growth for us when the pandemic happened in terms of the volume of members that needed support. So what do you focus on now as the pandemic is morphing, let's say? That's a good question. So the good part is that most of our uh, programs and resources were available virtually before the pandemic. So because we support early stage funders, but we are industry agnostic and geography agnostic. So we support uh, people all over the country. We built on purpose before the pandemic resources and, and programs that were accessible virtually. So we got lucky in a sense that it was kind of ready for a world where people cannot meet in person. So we really doubled down on, on that part. And we've decided to amplify and scale the most uh, successful program that we have, like the mentorship program, the access to capital by hiring uh, more program managers and more resources to uh, be able to deliver on the increased demand from LGBTQ uh, entrepreneurs. And we had a chance also to uh, resume uh, working with a lot of community partners, so trying to work hand-in-hand with other community leaders, mission line organizations that are trying to move the needle uh, on building a more inclusive startup space for queer funders, but also women funders, black funders, funders with disability, etc. Um, and we do have an ambitious goal uh, and, and set up a five-year plan where we are hoping that over five years we'll facilitate $1 billion in funding for 3,000 uh, companies and helping creating around 25,000 jobs. So like putting really numbers, what is the vision for the organization and where, where we are trying to have an impact. Can you tell me a little bit about how you go about measuring the impact that you have? Because I know that that's a stumbling block for a lot of folks. I feel in general, the space and just in general, society is moving to more accountability. So I, I believe it's not just us. I think it's everyone and trying to get more um, accountability in terms of impact and how we use the resources that, that we have. Um, there's two things. So at Startout, we measure like program engagement. So how like all the, the members that are going through our programs, the touch point, the satisfaction. So a lot of, of qualitative and quantitative data on program and and but we also try to really see like and, and try to track outcomes and send for us thinking about the economic empowerment of the lgbtq community we are really focusing on 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 the number of of uh, startups that are created and, and staying in business the number of jobs they create 
the valuation of those companies as well as uh, the funding that they raise. And we know it's not perfect because there is a lot more to the economic empowerment and economic impact of startup. But for us, those are kind of like the, the key metrics that we are we are tracking. So we have job creation, valuation, fundraising rate, and number of funders and companies that are still in business. Um, we also think about just beyond our our work and, and what we do and the support we provide to funders, like how can we also support the industry at large and, and just the LGBTQ community at large. So we started a project in collaboration with uh, GP Morgan Chase and, and Socos Lab uh, that is called the Startout Pride Economic Impact Index. And, and the idea here is really to provide resources and, and, and quantitative insight on the economic impact of LGBTQ entrepreneurs at large, not just startup members, but all the LGBTQ entrepreneurs in the US and, and same, uh, trying to track job creation, patents, fundraising and exit. And on top of like kind of calculating that, the idea is also to provide data on what these metrics could be with equal access to critical resources and really showing that gap hopefully to try to help institution, governments, uh, thought leaders kind of think on how we can bridge the gap. The fact that there is not equal access today and what could be if there was equal access in terms of job creation, etc. That's super interesting. And, and I, I'm familiar with the, the that partnership and ha, certainly has yielded some really interesting information that wasn't available before, which is obviously key. If you don't measure it, it's very difficult to change things. I you, you mentioned different partnerships that help to advance, obviously, reaching different folks. How do you navigate this belonging to the ecosystem? Um, I, I see in a lot of the work that we do that there's collaboration is harder in practice than it is in theory. And so do you have any tips or any observations that you've made in seeing this acceleration of the impact of your work and really diversifying, it sounds like, the strength and, and type of partnerships that you're engaged in? How do you navigate having multiple partners? And what do you think is, is the key to, to sustaining that kind of collaboration over time? That's, yeah. That's that's a great question. That's just one million dollar question. Uh, I guess, I mean, to to go back to what you said about equity and building a more equitable world. Um, for me, and I think I'd start out in general. But what is really key is first consistency in and being intentional. Since we started, like the idea has really been to be okay. How can we support LGBTQ entrepreneurs? But then it becomes really clear that it's not just. How do we support a few LGBTQ entrepreneurs? It's how do we support every single LGBTQ entrepreneurs in the sense that let's make sure we provide access for any LGBTQ entrepreneurs, no matter where they are from, no matter where they live, no matter where they are in their journey. And so we know uh, for a fact that there is great disparities within the different members of our community and that it's still super difficult for a lot of, of uh, members in our community, like women, gender non-conforming, LGBTQ funder of colors or transgender funders to one, be out and safe, and second, to really have the same access. So being really consistent and intentional in what is your goal um, and, and how you think about intersectionality, I think has been key. And so we align with partners that are also very, very intentional and consistent in their support. I think that's the first thing. Um, the second part is, is to your point, like... Uh, working with mission-aligned organization 
uh, and and we are working with fifty plus uh, mission aligned organization, and and now we have dedicated team member. We have a dedicated team that is really. Uh, spending their time building those relationships, making sure that we provide some uh, inside programming events that really um, are helpful for educating the, the the industry at large, but also providing actionable item and to the funders that we support so that they, they can get access. There has been a lot of change and positive change within the diversity, equity, and inclusion space in the past few years, but we are very, very far from where it should be. We do not have the exact number for LGBTQ funders, but I think less than 3% of VC funding is going to women. So um, I think it's not really, it's a necessity right now that we work with community partners that are trying to build a more equitable startup ecosystem, taking into account a lot of underserved population, because we are so far from where it should be. Um, And... Yeah, I think we've been trying to align with people that have this vision of how we can make sure underserved funders, no matter who they are, get access and that we can see more success. And we are also working really hard on representation uh, and how we can make sure that we tell the stories that nobody's telling and that we put those more uncommon, I call it uncommon voices on stage and we let them tell their own story. I think uh, we've been talking a lot with other partners about narratives. And I think uh, something that I strongly believe in is like, instead of telling the stories of people for them, let's like give your space, give your audience to people so they can tell the story that they want to tell. And uh, in the queer community, we have so few out and proud, successful founders that really like, making sure there is space for role models to be seen and be heard, I think has been kind of a, also something we work really hard on with partners. Of course, representation is key and, and tricky because of the safety issue. You you talked about wanting to support all types of founders and, and you mentioned also access to capital and that's a challenge getting like right-sized funding and the right type of funding. How do you tackle that at, at Startout specifically or, or with your partners? That's a good point. So Startout doesn't have a dedicated investment vehicle at this point. So we work really uh, closely with capital providers. Um, I think there is two things. The one is like to your point, because we focus on early stage funder, pre-seed or idea stage to series A or B. Uh, the first part is like, how do we help funders get investment ready when sometimes they are too early to reach capital providers or need to, to, to prove a little bit more product market fit or something like this. So for this, we have really strong, we have a really strong mentorship program, uh, very strong office hours where it's really one-on-one knowledge, guidance, expertise sharing with uh, serial entrepreneurs, investors, experts that can really provide that one-on-one support to get the funders to be closer to being investment ready and getting in front of those um, capital providers. And the second piece, so that's that's what we focus on a lot. We have men- mentorship program where we support 350 founders every year. So that's that's a really a core programming that we offer. And on the second part is connecting uh, the founders with accredited investors, but also crowdfunding equity platforms, debt providers. And so we've built... Um, kind of the access to capital program internally where really we work uh, with accredited investors, VCs and angel investors and provide specific deal flow based on what they are looking for and trying to be the connector between those funders that are looking for funding and those investors that are 
looking for the right founders that fit what what they're looking for. And and, uh, that's kind of the way we've been thinking about it. We are working with more than 400 investors and and trying to make those connections and and, and introductions that are meaningful and hopefully will lead to uh, uh, investor writing checks. And so we work with um, a lot of different investors, uh, some of them, have are part of the LGBT community, but also we see more and more VCs that are just interested in leveling the playing field for underserved funders, including uh, queer funders. And in, in the types of entrepreneurs that you see, again, we know that that you try to support all types of entrepreneurs, but do you see um, any preference around entrepreneurs who have, have high growth aspirations or who are simply saying, I'm a solopreneur, I might grow to, you know, two or three people, but, but that's really what I'm after. Or, or folks who don't recognize themselves even in the startup space. H- how do you deal with that conversation or what has been your experience in terms of the diversity of motivations that bring, bring uh, founders to you? We are start out, we focus on high growth startups. This is kind of what we do, what we know how to do. So uh, when we have founders that are maybe do not fit that criteria, we try to help them find uh, complementary resources and we work with uh, LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce or LGBTQ uh, centers in different cities or other providers that are most suitable for Main Street or small business owners that maybe do not consider themselves a high growth or scalable company. So your question was kind of what are different type of population and what are their, their interests? Because we focus mostly on high growth, I think this is mostly what we see. And by default, then most of our um, partners, capital providers, partners are looking at highly scalable and high growth uh, entrepreneurs. But we are building uh, slowly by slowly, uh, as I was saying, this kind of network of partners that can um, can really support them. And I think this is part of what we are trying to do, trying to be as one of the unique LGBTQ organizations that support entrepreneurs, really trying to refer entrepreneurs to more appropriate or better seeded uh, resources is also part of the mission uh, as a nonprofit organization trying to help the overall community. Speaking of not-for-profit organization, do you, are your programs free or do you, or is there a contribution from the entrepreneurs that you support? That's a great question. So um, it is what I call theoretically free in a sense that we've been really fortunate to have corporate partners fund uh, scholarships, so meaning free access to our program for one year or more for a lot of different populations. Our entrepreneurs want to support startups. There is an option to become a giving member and giving $10, $15 months as a donation. But we have really, um, now we provide all the support for free uh, through those scholarship kind of mechanism and people can decide to give back. And this is part of a lot of uh, the way we think about building uh, wealth in the community and economic empowerment is also based on giving back. We do have a lot of successful entrepreneurs that decide to give back when they exit or when they sell their company. Uh, it is kind of the model we are trying to to build also with the mentorship with a lot of experienced entrepreneurs that succeeded in their personal endeavor, giving back to two members. And I think that's the model we will keep on having uh, going forward. And so you've clearly had success with that. And, and that's one of the biggest challenges that I've observed in, in my work in emerging ecosystems, regardless of where they are or for what population, is that 
you know, the, there's always the conversation of like, yes, entrepreneurs need to be at the center and they need to support the growth of the, the ecosystem. But when you're busy building your enterprise, you often don't have time or resources to, to spare. And so how ha are you tackling that problem? Are you, are you, as you said, kind of waiting for people to exit and be at a m more mature place? Or is there, are there any other options that you've seen that help entrepreneurs get involved in the development of the ecosystem, maybe at an earlier stage? That's, that's a good question. I'm not sure we've uh, mastered <laughs> the answer to that question. <laughs> I don't think any, anyone has. I think there is two things. Uh, there is not a really systematic way we do that. I think what we've seen starting in 2009 and now it's like 2022, right, is like uh, the importance of the community. And that has been even more important the past two years, to be honest. Like, And so I think it's like maybe the really indirect goal through the community is like our main goal is really to build this safe and highly thriving and, and really rich um, community of LGBTQ entrepreneurs that help each other and that are there for entrepreneurs when they need it. Building that community, I, we believe on the long run and really being really genuine in how we do that is leading to indirect support down the line. I think to your point, like people being part of the community and when they are in a place where they have time to give back resources and experience, then they think of us because genuinely they were provided support and they found added value. That's kind of the indirect way we've been doing for many, many years. Um, we've also found like um, we have one program, the Startup Growth Lab, that is kind of uh, also one of our high touch program. We've supported, I think at this point, 44 companies that have collectively raised more than $600 million uh, and created around 3,500 jobs. So that's kind of the, the startup that go through that program. And for this specific program, we have what we call the one person pledge. Um, and so the difference of the pro this accelerator program um, compared to other more like for-profit, uh, well-known uh, program like Textile and YC is like, we do not take any equity. It's also free. We do not provide capital. And at the end of the program, if funders are satisfied, they can pledge 1% of their personal gain at exit or when they sell their company. And it's a donation pledge. We have had 80% of every funder, almost 100% of all the funder going through a program signing that pledge because they feel there is added value and because they really found a unique community of peers and queer founder. Yeah, there is the more like indirect way to kind of let it unfold on itself. And we have also found that this one person pledge that is a voluntary pledge after you get access to the program is also a testimony to the quality and also it's kind of working to get people to give back in a more structured and systematic way. That's that's amazing. I, I, I love that. And what a great idea and, and very concrete way to, to do that. What what drives you personally in this work? You said you've been there five years. What What is it that drives you? It's funny. I was interviewing with a new candidate student team and they, they always ask that question. I think it's the people. It has always been the people. When we were a smaller team, it was always the founder that we support, all their stories, their struggle, but also the amazing people we meet every day and, and, and who they are. I have so many friends that came from the startup community that I have met. And I think now that we've been growing, it's also the amazing team members that we've brought in that are kind of bringing 
so much more skills and expertise to what we knew how to do, but more specialized and also so much passion. Like uh, I think I'm surrounded, the team that we have, I'm surrounded with passionate people, very talented, passionate people that are bringing amazing ideas so that we can have the impact that we have. I've been in the nonprofit for like what, uh, 10 years, 10 plus years. And I think the passion is still what is making me excited every Monday morning or every morning in general. Sarah Burgo is Director of Programs and Partnerships at Startout. She is based in San Francisco. My name is Isabel Swiderski. This is Design Influence. <laughs>